So John 13, we're going to be looking at verses 16 through 30. So just as a little bit of an intro, uh, we are uh, jumping in, sort of jumping in the middle here uh, of Jesus speaking to his disciples after he has washed their feet. John 13, 16 through 30. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. I am not speaking of all of you. I know whom I have chosen, but the scripture will be fulfilled. He who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. I'm telling you this now, before it takes place, that when it does take place, you may believe that I am he. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives the one I send receives me. And whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. After saying these things, Jesus was troubled in his spirit and testified, Truly, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. The disciples looked at one another, uncertain of whom he spoke. One of, one of his disciples, whom Jesus loved, was reclining at table close to Jesus. So Simon Peter motioned, motioned to him to ask Jesus of whom he was speaking. So that disciple, leaning back against Jesus, said to him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, It is he to whom I will give this morsel of bread when I have dipped it. So when he had dipped the morsel, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. Then after he had taken the morsel, Satan entered into him. Jesus said to him, What you are going to do, do quickly. Now no one at the table knew why he, why he said this to him. Some thought that because Judas had the money bag, Jesus was telling him, Buy what we need for the feast, or that he should give something to the poor. So after receiving the morsel of bread, he immediately went out, and it was night. The grass withers, and flowers fade away, but the Word of God stands forever. So let's pray before we consider it further tonight. Heavenly Father, we take just a moment to ask you to be with us, to teach us these words, to use these words to work in our hearts to change us. God, we need you to do it. We, if left to ourselves, will not hear you. We will not respond to you. So, Father, we pray that you would, by your Holy Spirit, be at work. And we ask that Jesus, uh, we ask that in Jesus' name, Amen. Okay, so I've been, we've had, you know, I'd like to start out with a good illustration, something to sort of intro us in. I've had it all week sitting there, illustration dash question mark, and it's just been sort of staring at me. And yeah, I don't know that I've come up with a very good one, but I'll give you what I got. All right, so when I was in college, I think it was probably either my senior year or maybe the first year after I graduated. I went to, uh, I was working at a church in, in town there, and we, uh, we had a sort of makeshift basketball gym where we'd go play basketball every once in a while. And so I went with one of my roommates who had played football at Ole Miss for uh, a brief stint, very big guy, to say the least. And we met a couple other guys up there, and so we were just playing two on two. And one of our friends... Uh, 
really more one of my friends that I was acquainted with. He didn't know my roommate. So we're playing basketball, and this guy is sort of a, um, a smaller, quick guy, right? He's kind of the point guard style. And he's trying to dribble around my friend, who he's just met, my roommate. And he tries to dribble around him to the right. And my roommate, you know, slides over and stops him. Pulls it back, tries to go left. He slides over, beats him. And this guy's way bigger than he is. And so he tries it a couple times, and then he, he pulls the ball, you know, pulls the ball out. And he says out loud, though he's clearly just sort of trying to process this. He says out loud, I, I know that I'm faster than you. I have to be. And my roommate said, eh, maybe not. And you could see the, sort of the, uh, the, um, the dilemma that he was facing, right? Uh, what he couldn't put together is that you can't be that big and be that quick. Those two things just don't go together, right? It tends to be one or the other. You're the, you've got size, but you're a little slower, or you lack size and you're quicker. Unless you're an NCAA Division I athlete, right? Which he didn't know. There's, you know. There are some people that just happen to be both. And I want to suggest to you that, that that's a little hint of what, we, what I want you to see in this passage. Right? This semester, we're studying through what we call the farewell discourse in John which is essentially Jesus' farewell speech to his disciples. It's, a, in a manner of speaking, his last words to them. As they're about to face life as a follower of Jesus, but for the first time without him physically there. And that's what you and I call, if you're a believer, everyday life. And so what we've said is we look at as we look through this farewell discourse, that what Jesus is giving us, He's giving us what we need to hear, what He wants to tell us about how to, how to get through everyday life. What it looks like to just, what we need to know to make it through Tuesday and Wednesday. And so what we've seen these first two weeks, we've focused on how Jesus shows Himself to be the ultimate servant. Right? How He washed His disciples' feet. And what I want to suggest to you, what we see in this passage, is that here Jesus is saying, yes, do not forget that I am, I am the ultimate servant. For me and you to relate, you have to let me serve you, but you, you can't forget to make it through everyday life, you cannot forget that I am, I am, Right? That I am God incarnate. In other words, Jesus is saying, I, I am actually both. We want it to tend to be one or the other. Look, are you the servant? Are you um, serving everyone, humbling yourself beneath everyone? Or are you, are you almighty? And what I want you to see is that in this passage, Jesus is saying... For you to make it through life, yes, I'm both. And so he highlights, he highlights the fact that he is God himself, that he is in control of everything. And I want to look at that really in, in three ways. 
I want you to see tonight that Jesus, Jesus knows, that he knows people's hearts. Secondly, that Jesus rules over everything. And thirdly, it's really more of a conclusion, but I want you to see that Jesus loves. So first, Jesus knows. He knows our hearts. We're reminded here of, of Jesus' greatness because we see that he knows people's hearts. He knows what's inside. And we see that because Jesus knows that Judas is going to betray him. Jesus knows that Judas has it in his heart, though he hasn't told anyone else, he has it in his heart to sell out Jesus. And we know that we know that because Jesus doesn't just make some sort of general prediction, right? He's not just playing the odds that, all right, I'm going to do something really radical. And so, you know, bound to be that one out of 12 of these folks is going to bail on me. It's not just some sort of general prediction, right? We get the details of him telling John exactly who it's going to be. And we're going to, I want to take just a second. I want you to think about this from the disciples' perspective. Because Jesus says, I'm doing this, I'm saying this, so that when these things happen, you will know. In other words, you're not going to understand this right now. But when all this goes down, then it's going to make sense. And that's why I'm telling you. And so what we begin to see is that Jesus really is God Almighty. He really does know people's hearts. He knows the inside of a person because there wasn't anything about Judas on the outside that would indicate that he would be the one. Did you catch that? Look in verse 22. What does it say? The disciples, he said, one of you is going to betray me. Verse 22, the disciples looked at one another, uncertain of whom he spoke. In other words, when Jesus says, one of you is going to betray me, the disciples did not think to themselves like, oh yeah, wonder who that's going to be. Judas, right? Pretty obvious who that's going to be, you know, does the thumb point thing. In fact, the, uh, Matthew and Mark, I believe, um, actually tell us that, where is it? It's in my notes. That, uh, that actually each one of the disciples asked Jesus, is it me? That when Jesus says, one of you is going to betray me, that they go up to Jesus at some point and say, is it, is it me? They've all thought about it. Which is a whole other line we could go down. But so do you see the point? That when he says somebody's going to betray him, th- there's no obvious guess. The only way that Jesus can know that is if he knows what's going on inside of everybody. I want you to think about, uh, hopefully you have a, a friend, a good friend that can, that can just read you well. Right? That when you talk to them and they say, hey, how's, how's things going? How's your day? Or whatever. And you say, yeah, it's fine. That they can read you well enough to say, nah, it's not. Right? That they know how you operate. Uh, that they know you well enough to know something's off. And that's a great thing to have, isn't it? 
Because you can actually be honest with that person. You know you can't get away with it. You can't just fake it. So how do we apply this? What does this mean to us? That Jesus knows people's hearts. What does it matter? Well, what I want you to see is that first, what I don't want you to hear, I don't want you to hear this as a threat. Okay? I don't want you to hear me saying, or the Bible saying, Jesus knows everything going on inside of your heart and your mind as a threat. As if to say, Jesus knows what you're thinking. So you better, you better shape it up. Right? He's listening, so you better cut out all, the, you know, all your doubts, or he's going to nail you. You better quit all, you know, all those bad thoughts. He's listening, so cut it out. What I want you to see, what if this is a wonderful thing, right? What if that's why he told his disciples so that later they begin to think, wait a minute, Jesus knows what we were thinking and feeling. So what does that mean for us? The main application I want to give you is this. What it means is that you and I can actually be honest with Jesus, It means that you don't have to hide. In one sense, it might be very scary, right? That that someone actually knows all about you. But I think if you take just a second to begin to, to drink that in, I think that just might be a freeing thought. That there's somebody that knows every every thought you have. They know the reasons, you, the motivations behind those thoughts. And so what it means is that you can actually be honest about yourself. That you can be honest with Jesus about, the fact, about your addictions that nobody else knows about. You can look at Him. You can go to God and say, I, I, really, I really can't stop doing that. You can be honest you can be honest about, about your cheating in class with him. You can be honest about your sexual brokenness, sexual perversion. You can be honest about your cold heart, about how you hate your parents, or how you hate your roommate about whatever it is that you don't want anybody else to see that you even yourself try to think like, no, 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 it's not that bad. You can just bring it. And there's a little bit of a subsection of that. What I hope and what I want for RUF is is really what the church ought to be. And not that RUF is the church. It, It is the church ministering on campus. But hopefully you'll find this a place where you can be honest with each other. A community that knows itself well enough where where we're honest about ourselves and say, I don't have it together. Right? Baylor, I've been here three weeks, so I'm going to start preaching about what I know about Baylor. But at Baylor, right, everybody's got it together. Everybody, you know, I make good grades and I have a lot of money and, you know, um, I'm, I'm attractive and everything's fine. And everybody knows that's not true about ourselves. So I hope this is a place that you can come and be honest about that. Where you can be yourself. 
So you can be honest with Jesus because he knows. Secondly, I want you to see that Jesus rules over everything. In other words, Jesus is in control. He's in charge of absolutely everything in this universe. And this is such a vivid lesson that, that Jesus rules because things are about to seem like they are utterly out of control. And, and frankly, I think this is the main point that he wants his disciples to get right here at this, uh, in this passage at this point. He says that he's telling them this, that I'm going to be betrayed so that when it happens, they just might have the, the perspective to look and say, somehow, this is okay. Right? Because what's, what's the tendency going to be? I mean, think about it from their perspective. They've been following this guy you know, every day, three years or so, watching him do miracles. They're beginning to believe that he really is God himself, that he's going to save the world. And what's about to happen, what they don't know, is that he's going to get arrested, he's going to get betrayed, arrested, and they're going to kill him, he's going to die, seemingly game over. Right? You know, that's the, that's the definition of life going off the rails. Thought you were going to save the world, everything went wrong and they killed him. But he's telling them this on the front end so that they can look, when it does go crazy, that they can look back and say, he said this was exactly what was going to happen. Hopefully to have some perspective. And they, they can begin to realize that Jesus really is great. That he really is in control and it's going to be okay. I thought about... Uh, we taught our oldest son, he's six now. When did we teach him to ride a bike? About a year ago, last summer, I think. What? He was four. He was two and a half. He couldn't even walk when he could ride a bike. <laughs> Such an athlete. So whenever we taught our, our oldest son to ride a bike, I can remember talking to him before we get started and saying, look, you can do this, right? You're good. This is going to happen but you're probably going to fall and it's going to be okay. Right? We're, it's not going to work the first time. I'm going to hold on to the bike and we're going to, you know, so you kind of walk through it and you say, you're, you're going to hit the ground. It's going to be fine. Right? Now, why do I tell him that? Well, I tell him that because I know it's going to happen and I want him to, to have some perspective that it's okay. Because to him, you know, when you're four years old or five years old or whatever and you, you hit the ground and it hurts a little bit, it very much seems to say, like, this is not okay. This is not going right. This is absolutely wrong. So you're trying to give him some perspective. It's hard with a four-year-old, right? Trying to give him a little perspective that when that does happen, you say, like, okay, Dad said that's going to happen. This, this is not as crazy as it seems, so what do we do with that? Well, I think the application is, is probably fairly obvious, but it's certainly hard to apply. That in the same way that Jesus is saying, look, life is about to go off the rails, and when it does, I want you to remember, I'm in control. Because it's going to feel like I'm not. And I bet you can identify with that, right? I bet you can identify that that life seems to be going fine one day 
And then it just falls apart. And it's so easy when, when you look at life and you're, um, you know, your, your parents have, your family's been great. And then you find out your parents are getting divorced. And it feels like all of a sudden life has just jumped off the track and is heading in the wrong direction or is crumbling. Or when, you're, when you've poured your time into your grades and all of a sudden it's just not working and you're failing that class. Or you can't get into that grad school. Or somebody that you know gets really sick. Or somebody that you know dies. Or you get really sick. Or all of a sudden your finances bottom out. Or all of a sudden, all of a sudden something really bad happens to you. It's so easy to think in those moments that life is absolutely out of control. And what Jesus is telling us here is that even in the midst of those, that if you follow him, you, have the, you at least have the ability to have the perspective that even when life seems like it's going crazy, he is in control. Now that doesn't make it, that doesn't just make it easier, Right? But certainly, having that perspective, it begins to help, right? That even though life seems like it's going crazy, nothing that's happening to you is happening outside of the, the careful control of the God that loves you. Isn't that a great thought? Have a... Uh, Oh, campus minister friend, but uh, I, I only met him once. Um, was acquainted with him, so friend is certainly not the right term. But um, he was he was riding his bike with his kids in his neighborhood, right? Not mountain biking, not road biking. He's riding his bike with his kids in his neighborhood, and he fell off his bike and he hit his head. And he was in a coma for three months, or so, several months, and then he died. And you're really left with a couple of choices. When you look at something, you know, whatever it is, whatever story it is in your life that you know, you're really left with a couple of choices when it comes to, is, is God in control? You know, he either is or he isn't. And while it's so hard on the one hand to look at that, to look at that and say, how can God be in control of that? Right? Because that's bad. It, it just is bad. But, but what if, just what if, everything that comes down to us, everything that happens in our lives, doesn't it help at, at least some to know that as tough as it might be, it at least comes from the hand of a Father that loves you. Even if we don't understand it. Which leads us into our last, uh, our last part. We see that Jesus knows our hearts. He knows everything about us. He, and we can be honest with Him. We see that Jesus rules over everything. Uh, and that when life seems like it's going off the rails, He's still in control. Even when He's betrayed and about to die. 
Thirdly and finally, and really just sort of as a conclusion, I want you to see that, that Jesus loves you. And it's really not too much more than, than taking these two points and in some ways just putting them together. But I want you to imagine what the disciples, like we have the uh, ability or the, the benefit of looking at all this on the, in a sense, the back end, right? Like we know how the story ends. And, but if you're, if you're the disciples and you look back at some point and it begins to dawn on you, right, that Jesus knows your heart. He knew everything you were thinking. He knew why you were thinking it. He knew that you thought sometimes about, I mean, I I hope this is not too flippant, but that those disciples thought something along the lines of, I don't know, but I think that dude is crazy. Like, I, I don't know if he's nuts. I don't know if he's serious. I don't know. I'm not so sure that I'm going to stick with him. That when that begins to dawn on you, that he, he knew all that. And it begins to dawn on you that he's in charge of everything, right? He knew he was going to be betrayed. He orchestrated, in a sense, orchestrated, ordained the whole event. And then it dawns on you, but he didn't stop it. Think about that. Think about the fact that these disciples knew, like, he really is in charge of everything. He can do anything he wants. He knew that Judas was going to go out and the, you know, the guys were going to come and arrest him. And he didn't stop it. He could have stopped it by thinking about it. He could have just made the people that came to arrest him just cease to exist, right? Because he made them. But he doesn't stop it. Why? And you really, really the answer is, is quite simple and hopefully you hear it every week here at RUF. The answer is because he loves his people. All right, when you think about, uh, we use the illustration of a friend that knows you really well, right? And they can, re- they can sort of read you. Think about, <clears throat> think about a friend that could literally read your mind and your heart. Like, what if you had a friend, an actual, you know, like, someone that goes to Baylor, right? And they have the ability. They can hear and know everything you think. How long would that person be your friend? Because I'm going to tell you right now, if you knew, if, if you could read my thoughts and read my heart, Right, if it was just displayed above my head all the time, not only would you not come to RUF, you would avoid me like the plague and probably, you know, I don't know, talk to the cops. You would want somebody to do something about me. And it, certainly I would, I would think the same is true about you, right? I mean, if somebody knew... Every, like even the fleeting thoughts and why you think them, even if it wasn't about them, right? Like if you really do mostly like them and every once in a while you're like, oh, that's kind of weird what she, you know. But, but they just heard what you thought about other people. They heard how you treat other people in your mind, what you want to say to them, what you might, uh, yeah. All those thoughts, 
How, how long would it take for them to be like, oh my goodness, you are disgusting. So do you see the point? Jesus knows everything about you. And not only does he not say like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Sorry, that's a little too much for me. He knows everything about you. And he went headlong to the cross because he loves you. To get rid of that stuff in you so that he could be with you forever. That's the good news. That, that what Jesus did, it really was plan A. That he really does know all... He knows, he knows you better than you do. He knows your problems and my problems are way bigger than we tend to think they are. And he looks at that and he says, it's worth it. It's worth it because I love you. And he goes to the cross and he, he bears the wrath of the Father in your place and in my place. So that you and I can be free. And that's the good news of the gospel. That's what we... That's in one sense... That's all I got for you. But, but that's everything, isn't it? And that's an invitation to you tonight. And I hope that you take it. <clears throat> Let's pray. Lord Jesus, if we're honest, and in, in light of what we've just said, whether we're honest or not, you know our hearts. You know that they're slow to believe those things. But Jesus, would you, would you warm our hearts, would you quicken our hearts to begin to believe that? To begin to think that we could be honest about ourselves, about everything, and that you, you love us, and that you're in control. Jesus, we pray that that would be true of, of everyone here, and if it's not, would you please make it so? And we ask it in your name. Amen.